0: Blessings and peace to you, my brothers and sisters, as we gather at this time for our Bible study. This is the last study on the book of James, and I have just been extremely blessed as far as our time together is concerned over these past uh, several weeks working through the book of James. James has been one of those um, in-your-face letters that has really challenged me to become uh, a better disciple for jesus christ and and this last part that we're going to be talking about on this moment uh hopefully and prayerfully will clear up some things as far as uh how we interact with those that are sick and shut in but even more importantly how we bring people back to the fold who have departed so i want you to if you wouldn't mind let's have a word of prayer And then we're going to work through this particular text as far as time is concerned. God, we come to you right now, and we want to thank you for this wonderful opportunity to study your word. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our pathway. And James gives us wonderful insights and thoughts and clarity about who we are in you. So, Lord, right now, we pray that by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, that you will Uh, be the ultimate teacher show yourself mighty and strong give us ears to hear what you have for us to know and give us the spirit to apply to our lives so that we can grow and become more like your son christ in jesus name we pray amen james chapter 5 verse 13 and we want to work methodically through this particular uh, section as far as scripture is concerned, James chapter five verse thirteen. Uh, and we're going to read to the end of this chapter. It reads like this: If anyone among you suffering, let him pray. If anyone cheerful, let him sing psalms. I want you to uh, highlight the word suffering. I want you to circle the word pray. I want you to underline the words, "is cheerful, and I want you to circle the word, sing psalms. Verse 14, is anyone among you sick? Highlight that phrase. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. If you would, highlight the phrase, the elders of church. And then if you would, circle the word, Pray. Draw a line from the word pray in verse 14 to pray in verse 13. And then I want you to underline and highlight the phrase anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Highlight all of that. Verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another, highlight that, and pray for one another. Circle the word pray, draw a line from the word pray in verse 16 and pray in verse 14. That you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Highlight that phrase, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Underline the uh, phrase, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Circle the word prayed earnestly. Verse 18, and he prayed again, circle the word prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Verse 19, brethren, if anyone among you wonders from the truth, highlight that phrase, wonders from the truth, and someone turns him back, uh, highlight that phrase as well. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sin. Highlight all of verse 20. Okay, Highlight all of verse 20. Twenty. So let's really start unpacking what James is doing in this text that I've shared with you right now. If you remember in James chapter one, he starts by talking about prayer. Um, I believe that is in um, he says, if you lack wisdom, ask God who will give it liberally to you without any uh, thought and it be given to you. James is talking about having open communication with God. And, and so this is really a a fitting climax to, to James' letter with the emphasis on prayer. I think that one of the things that we have to really understand and appreciate about James is how uh, you and I, ought to be praying for one another. Why? Because prayer is evidence of care. I think that's a good word, right? You may want to write that down um, somewhere in your notes. Prayer is clear evidence of prayer, of care. Prayer is really our open communication with God who can take care of any need, no matter how complex, how insurmountable, how impossible it seems to us. And so when we share in prayer, you and I got to have a sensitivity to the need of the person who needs the prayer to be able to go and pray on their behalf. So it's very interesting how uh, James is really uh, laying down the tracks as far as what he thinks that you and I as a believer should do. Now, let me just say this. You and I have open communication with God because of prayer. I would dare say that the power of prayer is not in our words, but the power of prayer is in the fact to whom we pray. It is God that has the power to answer our prayers. So what are you trying to say, Pastor? This is what I'm trying to say. Prayer is a wonderful aspect of communication with God, but it can never be used to manipulate God. In other words, you can't make God do anything. Why? Because God is sovereign. God is totally in charge. And ultimately, God's going to have God's way. As as James really unpacks what we're getting ready to pick apart and digest, he talks about prayer uh, in in several aspects. Uh, Did you not realize that praise is a form of prayer? interceding is a form of prayer that's praying for somebody confessing your sins is a form of prayer and then he also mixes it with other spiritual disciplines healing uh confessing our sins to one another anointing being corrected uh forgiveness and 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 how he concludes this is really a challenge to all of us in the body of Christ. How how James concludes this particular letter is a challenge to all of us. So let's get started and let's do some good work. Now, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. It is interesting to note, that I would contend two of the weakest areas in disciples' lives today is when it comes to prayer and when it comes to authentic praise, okay? Uh, And the reason that we may be in the predicament that we're in is because we're not sensitive to folks who are suffering as well as to those who have sufficiency. Those who are suffering need prayer. Those who are sufficient should be praising God. So so this goes back to what James was talking about in the first chapter when he talks about how we ought to be joyful or rejoicing even in time of trouble. Because James wants us to have a different mindset when it comes to talking to the Lord. Now, let's be honest. In the church, Even among those of us that are saved and sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, got Jesus on my mind. One thing that a lot of us do well in the body of Christ is worry. Are there any among you suffering? They should pray. We know how to worry well. Unfortunately, even in church, not only do some of us know how to worry, some of us want revenge. And then not only do some of us worry and want revenge, but some of us Become so angry, we let that anger become a grudge, and we grumble. James is saying, "What I want to encourage you to do is what? Pray. Anyone among you suffering, pray. Anyone of you dealing with trouble, pray. Anyone where you struggling right now, pray. Prayer really becomes a spiritual tool and weapon that really." reorient our mind, and give us the capacity to face whatever we got to face and deal with whatever trouble come our way. Now, I really want to drill down on something because I want you to understand that a lot of us really don't pray. And and, and, and listen, I know because I know how many folks be on the prayer call. A lot of us don't pray. We average on our prayer call now don't get it twisted i am excited about the fact that we have when i look at our prayer call anywhere between 60 to 70 75 portals that are open for prayer if we were to do a prayer meeting in person we may have four people show up so so we have anywhere between 60 to 75 portals and maybe on some of those portals we have um two or more people so i say on average we may have about uh, seventy to eighty people on a prayer call, and I praise God for that. But we claim to be a church of five thousand folk. We claim to be a church uh, that 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 is quote mega church, but we only have that many folks in prayer. And I would submit that I bet you a whole lot of us, and many folks may not be watching this right now, so. I'm preaching to the choir, but most people don't pray that go to church. And the main reason for not praying uh, when we realize we are in trouble boils down three things, ignorance, arrogance, and shame. Ooh, (laughs) let me, let me, let me, let me throw that back at you again. Ignorance, arrogance, and shame. If we do not know that God wants us to pray when we're in trouble, we're just simply ignorant. Okay, we are unaware of what the Bible says when it comes to prayer. If we do not pray when we're in trouble because we're trusting our own resources and our own mind and our own thinking, then we're arrogant. And then sometimes we are ashamed to pray because we know that the mess we're going through, we brought it on ourselves. So James wants us to understand that if you're ignorant, God gives you permission and encouragement to pray. Uh, if you're arrogant, you got to submit. You got to humble yourself. And then for those that are ashamed, God stands at the portals of heaven, ready to receive your prayer with compassion and mercy. So guess what? We are commended as well as commended to pray. Then he says, if you're cheerful, sing songs. All right. Our praise should be directed to God. And whether we realize it or not, praise is really a form of prayer. You read the Psalms and, 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 and you see how David, Asaph, Moses, and, and, and other writers of the psalm, if, if you read it out loud, while it is a song, it is also a prayer. In fact, one of the greatest prayers of contrition is Psalm 51, where David, after he had committed sin, uh, comes to God and, and asks God to create in him a what, clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Uh, that that is a song but it's also a prayer all right so here's what we got to understand is that singing Psalms is a form of prayer so so James is saying if you're suffering pray if you're cheerful or happy or joyful sing songs now, Sometimes, for some of us, when we're happy, we forget about God. But when you really know who is the source of your happiness, it ought to cause you to give God what? Praise. It ought cause you to give God praise. All right. So notice there are three questions that, that James raises. Any of you suffering? Pray. Any of you cheerful? Sing songs. Any of you sick, call for the elders of church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, this is where I want to really kind of drill down on some things and clear up some things uh, that hopefully and prayerfully will help us to to have a better appreciation of what James was talking about. And then how we carry it out in today's culture. Okay. All right. All right. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, now this is this is where I really want to 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 help us to. Unpack some things because I, I think that this is gonna this this section right here, verses 14 through 18. Um, as I try to pull all the meat off this bone, I I, I hope that this um uh, will, will bless you. Now, a lot of folks tend to have some misunderstanding when it comes from this teaching, because there are a lot of us who think that uh if we pray um uh, for full physical health, it's just a prayer away. That all you got to do is just have this extra oomph, or this extra unction, and, and 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 you know you you can be healed, but it doesn't always work like that. Okay, the harder problem lies in just what James meant when he referred to the sick, because there's no reason to consider sick as referring exclusively to physical illness. Okay. Can also be talking about spiritual weakness as well. So um, in the Greek, the word sick literally means to be weak. And, and, and though it is used in the gospels for physical maladies, it, it is also used for weak faith or weak conscience, um, or weak spirit or a weary person in the epistles and in the book of Acts. So is any one among you weary? Any among you got a weak mind? Any among you got weak faith? Any among you got weak spirit? Any among you tired? Any among you, watch this, physically sick? Now here, one thing that, that, that we got to give the early church Major kudos and credit for is how the early church cared for those who were sick. All right, they didn't have hospitals back then. The early church cared for those who are sick. As a matter of fact, do you not realize that a lot of the hospitals that we see in society today were started by churches, started by religious institutions? Okay. So we've always had, had this idea for for uh, people that were that were sick, and, and it really demonstrates this move of compassion and care and concern. Here James is calling for the elders of the church for counsel and for prayer. Now, hear who the elders were and hear who they were not. Back then, when he says the elders of the church, he is not talking about the office of elder. Because in the old, in the New Testament, there are only two scriptural offices: pastor and deacons. And around pastor and deacon, you also have pastor, elder, overseer, bishop. All right. But he is not talking about the office elder. James is talking about spiritually mature men who were responsible for providing moral leadership in the community and in church. That that these older men had such a walk with God that folks knew that they could be called on, watch this, get a prayer through. All right, now let's, let's translate this as far as today's culture, because it's not only for us, older men, but older women. So back then, the elders were considered to be spiritually mature men. In today's culture, it would be spiritually mature people, men and women. And these were persons who knew God on a first name basis, who knew how to get a prayer through And And I, I, I don't know about you, but there ought to be somebody in your life, not only a pastor or a minister, but there ought to be somebody in your life that you know you can call upon, that know how to get a prayer through, that that you know when they bow their heads and they clap their hands to go to the Lord in prayer, that they're not just saying words, that they they are bombarding the throne room of heaven in. God is moved because they're praying. That that's what we're trying to drill down here as far as this concern. So, James is saying let the call for the elders of the church let them what? Pray over him. This is the idea of of these spiritually mature men going to the house of the sick and being by his bedside. Praying for him, they're over him, praying, and they anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, now, now I want to I really want to talk about this anointing of the oil. because uh, I want to clear up some things as far as the anointing of the oil is concerned. Because this, 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 this is what James is really trying to convey to us. The elders, these spiritual material men will go. Over this man's house, pray with him, anoint him in the name of all. James was writing to people that were in a community that was bound by language and culture. Um, they practiced house calls, they 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 practiced making an appeal for the presence, the power of God. Uh, they had expectations of God intervening and moving, uh, and healing was just part. their daily lives they had a life of faith that was a lifestyle let me say that again faith for them was not just belief it was a lifestyle watch this it was not like we do in today's culture some weekend component that we fit into a 90 minute window on sunday morning where we sing shout and, and and have prayer, and read scripture, and get a word, and, and that's it. No. Faith was a lifestyle. Now, let me, let me drive something home for us in this age of COVID, in this age of uh, Delta variant and rising Omicron variant. And we see COVID spreading. And I know that uh, it's hard to do this with COVID because you don't know who's infected or whatever. But guess what? You may not be able to touch people like you used to and like we want to, but it don't stop you from not praying. Let me say it again. It doesn't stop you from not praying. What our churches need, more so than anything else, are some elders, some spiritually mature people that know how to get a prayer through. And I'm not talking about a good sounding prayer. I'm talking about no that when you when you when you hear them pray, you feel something. When you hear them pray, you know God is moving in a marvelous and magnificent and and and, and miraculous way. You 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 know the prayer is going to be answered for the glory of God. And then they said an anointing with oil. Now, let me help us understand what 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 this oil is about because uh, it's not it's it's not just the anointing that if we weren't in this COVID pandemic and we were able to be in church uh, full blast on the first Sunday of January where we do the anointing with oil or whenever I go to do hospital visits, I anoint people with oil. Uh, uh, That type of anointing is symbolic of the spirit of God being present. All right? But in this text, the concept of anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord is medicinal. It is like when the Samaritan man found uh, the person that was beaten up on the side of the road, and the Bible says that he anointed him with oil, used the oil as medicine on his wounds, bandaged up those wounds, and then took him to an inn. Okay? So so in this text, the anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord is medicinal. Now, this is what I want y'all to understand because I'm getting ready to, to link science and faith. All right. Oil was considered medicine, science, but it was done in the name of the Lord, faith. So I, I, I hope what I'm getting ready to say is going to bless somebody because... I can have faith and still take whatever medicine the doctor gives me not putting my faith in the medicine of the doctor but putting my faith in the God that gave the doctor the insight to prescribe the medicine that will work on whatever is ailing my body. Interestingly as we navigate this COVID pandemic, and I hear folks say, well, I'm just gonna trust the Lord, gonna heal my body. And I mean, don't you know that God gave someone insight to create a vaccine that could keep you from getting sick? I take a shot in the name of the Lord. I take my medicine in the name of the Lord. Uh, I do whatever I need to do from a medicinal perspective In the name of the Lord, because why? Because God is my ultimate healer. So it is not only ceremonial or religious, it is also medicinal. The key function in that verse, though, ain't the oil, it's the elders praying for the sick person, okay? It's the elders praying for the sick person. All right, all right? Now, the elders praying for the sick person, this person being sick, not only physically, but spiritually, emotionally, Mentally, they have become weary, they have become weak morally and spiritually in the midst of their suffering. And you'd be surprised at how much prayer can boost somebody's spirit. You, you'd be surprised how prayer can lift up a bow down head. You'd be surprised how for those who are fallen and discouraged and distressed and weary, that when the elders pray in faith, it makes that person want to rise up and get up and move on. That's what verse 15 is talking about as far as this rendering is concerned as we work through this when it talks about, and the prayer of faith will save what the sick The believing is the role of the elders who are praying, not the sick. it said nothing about the faith of the sick person. Maybe the sick person may have demonstrated faith by calling for the elders. All right. But it says that the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sin, watch this, he will what? Be forgiven. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Now, now let me, let me really, let me really hammer this home because the Bible is telling us right here that number one, not the elders nor the oil does the raising, but the Lord, it is the Lord that does the healing. Now let me let me just say let me just say, because uh, 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 I, 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 this this is where the rubber meets the road, and this is what we got to understand: that the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be what forgiven. It must be emphasized here that the prayer offered is offered in faith. Not in the faith that believes that God can heal, but in the faith that expresses absolute confidence in the sovereign will of God. See, see a prayer for healing has to have this contingent that God's going to do what God wants to do when God wants to do it, how God wants to do it. All right? Because it's bad to find Christians who don't want to pray because God might not heal you the way you want to be healed. You ain't the one to decide how God is going to answer your prayers. All we are expected to do is trust and let God do what God's going to do. Okay? All right? Because something that James puts in here that messes me up, James said, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. What we got to understand is that sin may or may not be the cause of illness, but it is an opportunity for us to what? Confess. And the elders are there to what? receive the confession. Notice in verse 15, the word if. And if he has committed sins. If, circle that word, if. If he has committed sins, he will be forget, forgiven. The condition is important because all too often, so many of us in the church are prone to assume that someone is suffering because they sinned. The Bible teaches that sin can cause sickness, but it also lets us know that's not always the case. Remember the man that was born blind? And in John chapter nine, and the disciples said, Lord, who sinned? He or his parents? And Jesus said, neither. Said this man was made this way so that the glory of the Lord may be revealed. So not, so not all sickness is a result of, of sin, but sin can lead to sickness and suffering. All right. Now, let let me let me press this uh, because we got to understand that when James says. When James says, "If he has committed sin, you will be given confessed your trespass. One another pray for him, not that you might be healed." This is where I really want to press my claim because I hear too many folks say, "I don't need church. I ain't got to go to church. I don't need to be part of a local church." Notice what James says. James says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, now, let me put my kickstand down right there just for a moment. because Notice what James says. James says, confess your trespasses to one another. Now, here's what I want you to understand. James wants us to understand that it is not God's desire for his people to be alone. That's why the church exists. It is not God's desire for us to try to be disciples of Jesus Christ in isolation. There's no such thing as a long ranger Christian. We as members of the body of Christ ought to be able to support each other and pray for one another especially when we're sick and suffering, and we ought to be able to call on the elders to respond and lift up those that are in need of prayer. But even more, we're to confess our sins to one another. Now, I want to kind of help us navigate this because in the church, there ought to be this mutual concern for one another in a way that we can lift each other up and prevent each other from falling. The cure is personal confession and prayer for concern. The healing can be both bodily and spiritually. So what does this confessing look like? Confessing our sins, resentment, grudge, lack of forgiveness uh, can lead to healing of a physical ailment. Confessing your unresolved anger and guilt can, can um, relieve stress. If you confess your sins to someone With whom you've done wrong. uh, It takes a burden off your spirit. There are some people who have done the church wrong that God knows um, should do some public confession. They ain't going to do it though. And the church pray for them so that the barriers that the enemy try to create are torn down and you can have fellowship. Um, We don't do enough of that. We don't do enough of that. I I think that one of the things that's really becoming more apparent in this culture, particularly in large churches, is this need for small groups. And one of the things we've been trying to do here at St. Paul is create small groups where you can have sermon conversations and dialogue, but also talk to each other about what each other is going through. One of the joys for me during the week is when we have our prayer call. And, and 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 we're able to spend well. First of all, if if you ever if you have not ever participated in a prayer call, I want to encourage you. And we're gonna be doing the prayer call, even doing um uh the holiday break. We're still gonna have our prayer call on uh, Wednesday night. But here's what I want to drop on you. If you just want to see the church in action in a very microscopic way, you ought to come to. That prayer call. Go to the website. You can find the number where you can call in. And 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 I I would I come on at about 8:15, but I would encourage you to come on at 8 o'clock. It'd be about 30, 40 people, and they'd be having a great fellowship, but they also be filling each other in and letting each other know what's going on with one another and encouraging each other. It it's, it's the highlight my, sometimes i I'll, I'll I'll come in. Uh, uh, several minutes earlier, and, and I won't even say anything. I'll just listen to the people talk and encourage each other and love on each other and share with one another. It, in That That 30 minutes on Wednesday night, from particularly from 8 to 8.15 before I come and do my devotional and lead us all in prayer, is a wonderful time of sharing. It's a wonderful time of, of, of sharing. It's a wonderful time of us lifting and carrying each other's burdens. Okay? All right? Um. Here's where I want to hone in on. Listen. Confess your trespass one another. Pray for one another that you may be, he- be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. James is saying it is the powerful and effective prayer of the righteous person that brings the needed cure from God. The prayer is effective because the person that's praying it is in right relationship with God. It is not that they are sinless, but they know they have sinned and they've confessed those sins to God and they're trying to do things the way God would want them to do it. That's how you know a righteous person? A righteous person is not sin less, but they are trying to sin less. Now, if you don't get nothing else, I want you to get this right now. I can say without equivocation, mental reservation or hesitation, that the righteous person always gets what he or she wants in prayer because he or she wants what God wants. Ooh. In other words, it is no longer their will, but God's will be done. And when it's God's will that's being done, then they're going to get what they want because they've submitted their will to the will of God. So the most powerful weapon you and I have is prayer. Prayer can be an instrument of healing. Prayer can be an instrument of forgiveness. Prayer is our weapon for spiritual warfare. It ain't nothing to play with. And you want to know who who used prayer real well? Elijah. Elijah. He was a man just like us. Elijah was, was a person that had a nature just like us. And he prayed to God and asked God not to let it rain for three and a half years because Israel was so idolatrous. Ahab and Jezebel were on the throne. They were thumbing their nose up at God. Jezebel was was one of the major uh, 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 priestess for the cult of Baal, and she had turned the people away from Jehovah. And Elijah went and said, it ain't gonna rain for three and a half years. I've already talked to God, and guess what? But three and a half years there was no rain, and then that same Elijah prayed again, and the heavens opened up, the rains came, and uh, of course, crops began to grow. Real prayer is essential. A half-hearted, insincere prayer is you wasting your time. Let's get ready to close out with these last two verses. Because I believe that this is the crux of the matter for where we are in today's time. 2021 going into 2022. Brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wonders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sin. Now, I just got a question who is this wanderer? because for me this is a pastoral issue is is this a person who was saved and they backslid uh <laughs> was this a person who knew jesus christ confessed jesus christ but stopped coming to church because they said i don't need to go to church Is this a person who um, was doing well and then life hit them in the jaw and knocked them down and they haven't gotten back up? Is this a person who has gone through a, a horrible blow when it comes to losing a loved one or losing a business or financials? Concern or dealing with own personal illness, cancer or something like that, and and it it, it, I mean it it hit them in the jaw, it flattened them, and they and they haven't gotten back up. They don't come to church. They don't read their Bible. They're not engaged with the Lord. They they knew the Lord before, but this, this, this took them out. This took them out. Or is this somebody who looked like they knew who the Lord was, looked like they had a relationship, but they really didn't? I don't know. I don't know if it's backslider coming back to God, they need to come back to God. But I do know, regardless, we need to reach out to them. They need to be restored to the fellowship. How many of us know people who stop going to church? Or how many of us know people who join church and we don't see them on the Zoom congregation, we don't see them in the church, they claim to be part of St. Paul, but they're not really connected or engaged. You and I, when we know people like that need to take the initiative, pray for that person, act in love and bring them back to the fold. See, that word wonder in the Greek is really um, uh, dealing with the aspect of getting caught up in idolatry or heresy or apostasy. Uh, And that means to fall away from the faith or to depart from the faith. This this type of person either stop coming to church, stop believing in God. Or they go and practice a religion or a faith that does not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that word wonder is where we get the word planet, which means that you wander away from the corrected path. Okay. So, so 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 when you see who wonders from the truth, that word truth is not just dealing with right beliefs and right doctrine even though that's important. The word truth here is dealing with a person. Jesus says, I am the what? The way, the truth, and the life. No man, no one more girl comes to the Father except by me. Truth is a person. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Lord and Savior who died for our sins and rose again from the dead. So when we talk about in this text, we ain't talking about evangelism, but restoration. We're not talking about being redeemed, we're talking about being revived, a lost sheep, saved from the destruction of his sins. And it's like when we bring them back, we're throwing a veil over them to protect them and to cover their sins so they can get back on the path to spiritual maturity. Because when someone wonders, the church need to do all that we can to bring him or her back, not for judgment, but for restoration. All right. Uh, are we willing to bring back someone who has fallen astray? Or do we just say, eh, let them go? As a church, We're called to care. Let me wrap this up and bid you all adieu. Because all that James has said in all these five chapters is for us to practice maturity, holiness, bring souls of our brothers and sisters back to the fold, stand with confidence, serve with compassion, speak with care, submit with contrition, share with concern. You and I, as a believer, should be everything that God wants us to be, do what God wants us to do, say what God wants us to say, sense what God wants us to sense, share what God wants us to share. This letter is ultimately about what spiritual maturity being demonstrated in a fleshly world. It's almost like James took the teachings of his elder brother, Jesus, and fleshed them out, the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount. And, and in his own imitable way, James is saying, if you know better, do better. Faith without works is what? Dead. My challenge to you as I close, and I'm gonna be preaching this on Sunday. How many folks do you know? Don't go to nobody's church. How many folks you know used to go to church and don't? Let them know. They need to come back home. Ain't no judging. Just come back home. There's no judging. Come back to the fold. There's no judging. Jesus Christ stands with open arms, ready to receive the Lord. The Bible says that he goes after the one sheep that have wandered and leave the 99 behind because the one that have wondered was part of the fold and Jesus wants to go and find that one you and I are called to go and find our one and bring them back to the fold save them from death so that they can ultimately get right with God again it ain't about redemption Is now about restoration. Well, I hope that this time together has been uh, encouraging, fruitful. My takeaway for you all is go find that one. (laughs) Pray for them. Find that one. That they may be restored spiritually, which may help them in a whole lot of other ways. But bring them back to the fold. Listen, my, this is the last Bible study for the year. We'll start back up uh, in January, uh, the second Thursday in January. Uh, but until then, um, I hope that you all have a blessed holiday season, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We will have watch night service on uh, Friday, uh, January, the uh, not January, December the 31st. Uh, at 7 o'clock here at the church. Here's what I want to let you all know for those that are watching. We want you to send in the names of loved ones that died during this year, 2021. 2021 only. Hear me well. 2021 only. The names of loved ones who have died in 2021. We're going to do a memorial service on watch night. It's going to be part of our worship service. We're also going to have, send if you would like, to send in names of people that you know, and if it's public record, and they don't mind, send in names of loved ones who have died from COVID from January of 2020 up until now. Okay? You know people who have died from COVID. Send in so we're going to do a memorial service for those who have died in 2021. Send in their name. And we're going to do the names of people that we know who have died from COVID. And we're going to have a, a moment of lament. A, mo- a moment of remembrance. A moment to grieve. Uh, the names of loved ones. Uh, you can send them to info at spbcnc.org. And we will make sure we will have those captured to roll on the screen during watch night service. We will not have the calling out of names because there's too many people handling a mic. But if you send in those names, we will have those names to be scrolling during the time of, um, uh, of remembrance. We will not have anybody calling out anybody's name during that time. So you need to send in those names Uh, So we can have that for watch night. And we will have that open all the way up until the Wednesday before watch night service. All right. If you would love to be a blessing giving, uh, you're more than welcome to to do that. Uh, Three ways you can give here at St. Paul Church. You can send your check, uh, money order to the church, 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, 28205. Or you can drop off. Check, cash, money order to the church uh, this week and on Monday up until about noon. Call the office and make sure someone is here um, to receive your offering. Uh, after that, the office will not be open until the first Monday in January. And I believe that would be January the 3rd at 9 o'clock. Uh, I've given staff two weeks off for Christmas and New Year's to spend time with their parents i mean people right the other thing is uh you can also give through giflify as well as acs and um uh church life you can give electronically so um hopefully and prayerfully, you've been blessed uh as far as this teaching is concerned it's been a joy walking with you all pray for um me as i prepare to take this lesson and of course Get ready to share it and, uh, on Sunday morning as we do a wonderful deep dive uh, during the preaching moment. Uh, and um, uh, I pray that uh, the rest of this week will be a blessed time for you all. Y'all take care and be blessed. And, uh, please be careful out there. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. Practice social distancing. And please, ma'am, please, sir. If you haven't been vaccinated, please give strong consideration becoming vaccinated. I want to see you, Leo. You don't have to die from COVID. Take care. God bless. I love you. And God loves you even more.